Um, I wrote down a quote from a great theologian, Jack Handy. Uh, it's before you criticize someone, you should walk a mile in their shoes. That way, when you criticize them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. <laughs> I love that. Jack Handy is not a great theologian. He did deep thoughts on SNL back in the day. <laughs> but I always thought that was funny. But what I want to do, I want to talk about today is a little bit of perspective. We, we, we briefly talked about it after worship, but I want to continue that thought that we, or before worship actually, that we really, uh, to really minister to people and, and to really see how Jesus sees people, we, we have to get to know them. It's, relationship is so paramount in this. The reason is, this is the model that was given to us, that he was the prototype. Uh, Jesus, we're Christians, we're called Christians, little Christs, uh, because Christ is with us. So uh, as we go throughout the earth, this is what we're called to do. We're called to see people like Jesus sees people. Now that sounds simple enough, right? Um, but it can, it can be complicated sometimes, it can be hard sometimes. And we're going to go through and talk about the whole story uh, of Christ and kind of identify with that a little bit. One of the things I can tell you, from my, and I speak... I always like to tell stories from my life just because I know them. Uh, I learn better from experience um, than teaching alone. I learn from teaching. But experience is the, the greatest teacher for me because I'm hard-headed. If you tell me the pot's hot, I'm going to say, okay, and then I'm going to touch it. <laughs> so just, it's just the way I am. Uh, and I, but I'll never touch it again. I'll remember the burn. Um, and not to say that with everything, I know all analogies break down, but I'm, that's just the way I am. I learn very well from experience. So in my experience... and and I can be, and Tracy will attest to this, I'm sure, a bit of a know-it-all sometimes. <laughs> and, uh, and, and think I've got everything figured out. Um, two of the things that I, I, can, <laughs> I can remember right off the top of my head. One was uh, acid reflux. Uh, when when it st- I started seeing commercials on TV for acid reflux medicine, uh, do you remember that? I'm sure she does because she never let me live it down. And I, 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 kept, I talked, you know, and it was about the same time they came out with all the ridiculous commercials about all the medicines that had more side effects than they, they did. I'm like, you know, this helps your toenails from being a certain color, but it may have suicidal thoughts, <laughs> which is worse. Wear some socks. Anyway, so <laughs> I digress. Anyway, so <laughs> that was one of like 300 other side effects it caused. Anyway, so, uh, so the, when the acid reflux thing came out, I was like, just another marketing scheme. It's just heartburn. I mean, that's just an acid reflux. That's not even a thing. It's just heartburn. They just made a new word for it, so you would buy their medicine, and I was just real arrogant about it. And then I got acid reflux. <laughs> and I was like, ah, your sense of humor, God. The other thing was migraines. I'd never had a migraine, but I always kind of played off people that had headaches. And I know many of you in here are probably ready to run up here and tackle me. <laughs> but give me time. Give me time. I never had a migraine until maybe a few years ago, was it, uh, when I, all that stuff was going on? And it was actually, I think, from one of the medicines. It was a real strong antibiotic, and it gave me a migraine. And I've had headaches before. That's why I thought, suck it up. Let's go ride jet skis or something. You know what I mean? It was like, big deal, migraine. It's just a headache, kind of like the acid reflux thing. I was wrong. Got a migraine, and I thought I was going to die. I was a big baby about it, too. I mean, I was under the covers trying not to see light. If you've experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. And, uh, and I'll never forget that. So now when somebody says, I've got a migraine, let me pray for you. <laughs> let me pray for you. I know that. I've experienced it, right? Does that make sense? There's, there's a little bit of separation of just learning and then learning from experience. Now, I know uh, you don't want to learn everything from experience. <laughs> don't do stupid things. I'm not, I'm not advocating that. But at the same time, there is, 
I think in my experience, in my 40 years as of whenever Saturday or whenever Friday, as of 40 years, in my 40 years, I've, I've, uh, I've learned a lot more from experience than just learning alone. Does that make sense? And deeper, <laughs> much deeper. I never forget the migraine. Um, and so in the same way, uh, with this Christian walk, it's been taught and was taught to me early on when I got saved that, okay, you're saved and forgiven now, but now you have to figure all this stuff out and do all these things and, and all this stuff, and it's very complicated and confusing. Um, but what I, what I didn't realize was I, ju- I just needed to experience the Lord. I needed to know deep down in my knower <laughs> that I was a son. I needed to know that Christ died for me. I needed to know that he loved me. I needed to know those things deep down. It wasn't just um, learning to do the right things, but I needed to know who I was, my identity in Christ. Does that make sense? Taste and see that the Lord is good. I think it's important that we see that it's taste. We did communion, uh, was it last week? Yeah, we did communion last week, and that's the image that we get. We take inside, we take, we taste, and we see that the Lord is good as he's within us. And so I think it's important that we see that it's not um, me, and then we add God to it, and we add Christianity to it. It is... Christ is, is, is everything. He is our source. He is within us and is where we get all everything from. It's not in addition to. It is, he is everything. He is life to us. Um, and so we have this tendency to think of God in, in the same way uh, when we just try to learn without experiencing ourselves. That's why we try to encourage and worship to just, to just lay it all out there and open your hearts up to experience how good God is. Because sometimes he can, he can teach you in a moment in worship what I can't teach you in weeks. Have you experienced that before? So that's why we encourage that is because um, he's so good that he can, he can even go beyond just practical learning and speak to you in your spirit. And, and it's powerful. It's very powerful. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But we have this tendency along the same lines that we separate ourselves from God. We don't, we don't intend to, but we do. We separate ourselves from God by kind of calling it Christianity or uh, denomination or whatever it is. And so we call it something as though it's separate from us when, in fact, we're not. It's not separate. We do the same thing with heaven, and we talk about this a lot in here. We think of heaven as up there, right? It's up there. We look up. That's where heaven is, and we pray to heaven, and it's up there. But when the Scripture tells us that, no, Christ is in our hearts, and if he came and he brought heaven, when it said the kingdom of God is at hand, Christ brought the kingdom with him, and it's in our hearts. So instead of doing this, we need to be doing this. <laughs> He's right here. We talked a little bit about last week, examine your hearts, how we take that out of context all the time and, and uh, during communion. What he's really... Uh, well, he was talking about something completely different, but the revelation that I got was, yeah, examine your hearts. You should find Christ there. <laughs> you should be good if you find Christ there. Um, but instead of always looking, and it was another scripture that was always taken out of context, or, or not taken out of context, but I misinterpreted, the prayers of a righteous man availeth much, or uh, the prayers of a righteous man are powerful and effective, another uh, version of the Bible says. Um, I used to think the more righteous that I was by my own ability, the faster my prayers like got, like, Second day air, like, <laughs> yeah, like Amazon Prime to God, because I'm a little more righteous this week, so it's going to get there quicker and get back to me, right? Have y'all ever thought that? Am I crazy? But the fact of the matter is, Jesus was righteous. Jesus is the only way that we can pray that way. Jesus is the one who's righteous, and all of our prayers availeth much. All of our prayers are powerful and effective through Christ. And so it's not about us. We always try to make it about us. It's about me, it's about me, it's about me. And then we also always, I say always, but traditionally, I would think of heaven as far away. Okay? Those are two common ideas that I struggled with. Um, So, let's get right into it. 
Matthew 27, 11 is where we're going to start. And we're going to go almost all the way. I'll skip a few just for, for time's sake, but we're going to almost go all the way. No, I may go all the way through it. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. See how much I want to ramble. Uh, and I'm reading from NIV. Uh, if you guys are on digital, you can switch it or keep whatever you want. Uh, this is Jesus before Pilate. Meanwhile, Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? Yes, it is as you say. Jesus replied. When he was accused by the chief priests and the elders, he gave no answer. Um, the, then Pilate asked him, Don't you hear the testimony they are bringing against you? Like, don't you see how serious this is? I think he fully knew how serious it was. But Jesus made no reply, not even a, to a single charge, to the great amazement of the governor. Now, I think, I think Jesus knew what he was doing. Um, I think he didn't say a word because he was probably worried that they would get saved and they wouldn't crucify him, that they would, they would come to know him or some miracle would happen and it would change the, the course of history. Because if you, if you look back when the, the, uh, the first, set of, uh, first set of soldiers that went out to, to get him, do you all remember that? I can't remember where it was. John. Yeah, it was in John. I wrote it down. I do remember because I wrote it down. <laughs> John 7, uh, 46, actually. When they went to arrest him, they came back empty-handed, and they're like, hey, where's Jesus? And they're like, we've never heard anybody speak like this. We don't know about this guy, but we've never never heard words come out of a man like this. We we couldn't touch him. They couldn't get him. So I think think he's not speaking to them at first, one, because the accusations were all false, but two, they might mess around and, like, (laughs) get him healed or get him, you know, get him to really know who he is, and he has a job that that he knows that he's got to do. So he keeps silent the whole time. Um, and his, his words obviously carried much power, right? So he didn't say a word to them, and they were amazed at it because they knew how serious this was. They, they, they knew, and this is cool too. I said I wasn't going to elaborate on this, but I can't help it. Um, I think they were concerned even about him. Like, do you understand you're about to die? And I think he was thinking, do you have any idea who you're messing with? I think he was thinking, yeah, I'm fully aware what's going to happen, but death can't touch me. I choose when that happens. I'm getting ahead of myself. Verse 15. Now it was the governor's custom uh, at the feast to release a prisoner chosen by the crowd. At that time, they had a a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. Every time I I hear this, I remember of the the, uh, uh, Passion of the Christ. They're all going, Barabbas. Do you remember seeing the movie? Every time I see Barabbas, now that's how I say, Barabbas. So, uh, (laughs) so, uh, Verse 17, so when the crowd had gathered, Pilate asked him, which one of you, uh, which one do you want me to release to you? Um, Barabbas, or Jesus, <laughs> who is called Christ. For he knew it was out of the envy, it was out of envy that they had handed Jesus over to him. While Pilate was sitting on the judge's seat, his wife sent, sent him a message, don't have anything to do with it, that innocent man, for I have suffered a great deal today in a dream because of him. See, to me, that kind of supports my first thought about he's scared to say anything because he's so powerful that dreams are being affected. <laughs> I mean, do we know who we're messing with here? This, things, spiritual things are happening that, that are almost a bit even out of his control. That's how powerful he is. So I think that's another reason he stayed silent. He, didn't want to mess up. he knew what the plan was, and he didn't want to mess that up. But the chief priests and the elders persuaded the crowd to ask for uh, Barabbas to, to have Jesus executed. Uh, verse 21, which of the two do you want me to release to you? 
asked the governor. Baraba, they answered. <laughs> uh, what shall I do then with Jesus, who is called Christ? Pilate asked. Uh, they all answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed, asked Pilate. But they, they shouted all the louder, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that instead an uproar was starting, he took the water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. I am innocent of this man's blood, he said. It is your responsibility. All the people answered, let his blood be on us and on our children. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed him over to be crucified. Verse 27, then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the uh, praetorium, I don't know if I pronounced that right, praetorium, and gathered the whole, commu- the whole company of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him and then twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews. <clears throat> they spit on him and took the staff and struck him on the head again and again. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. As they were going out, they met a man from uh, Cyrene named Simon. And they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull, where they offered, offered Jesus wine to drink mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink. When they crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Two robbers were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults on him, shaking their heads and saying, Who are you going to, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself? Come down from the cross if you're the Son of God. I'm going to stop there for a moment. They still obviously didn't see what he was talking about, that he was the temple. He was the one that he was going to raise up. They're still thinking physical. They're still thinking Rome and, and, and a geopolitical leader and all that stuff. They're still not seeing what exactly he was talking about. He was talking about himself. Verse 41, in the same way the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and the elders mocked him. They, they, he saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the robbers who were crucified with him also heaped insults on him. From the sixth hour until the ninth, until the ninth hour, darkness came over all the land. About the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there heard this, they said, He's calling Elijah. Immediately, one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine, uh, with wine vinegar, put it on a stick, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, Now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks split. The tombs broke and the bodies of many holy people uh, who had died were raised to life. They came out of the tombs. And after Jesus' resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many people. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were terrified and exclaimed, Surely he was the Son of God. Many women were there watching from a distance. They had, followed from, from, they had followed Jesus from Galilee to care for his needs. Among them were Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of Zebedee's son. 
Verse 57. As evening approached, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who had himself been a disciple of Jesus. Going to Pilate, he asked for Jesus' body, and Pilate ordered that it be given, away, that it be given to him. Joseph took the body, wrapped it in a clean linen cloth, and placed it in his own new tomb that he had cut out of the rock. He rolled a big stone in front of the entrance to the tomb and went away. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, I always think it's funny how it says that, and the other Mary, were sitting there opposite the tomb. The next day, the, the one after preparation day, the chief priests and the Pharisees went to Pilate. Sir, they said, we remember that while he was still alive, that, de- that deceiver said, after three days I'll rise again. <laughs> they still didn't get it, and he said it right there. Uh, three days I'll rise again, so give the order for the tomb to be made secure until the third day. Otherwise, his disciples may come and steal the body and tell the people that he has been raised from the dead. The last deception will be worse than the first. Take guard, Pilate answered. Go make the tomb as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure by putting on a seal, uh, putting a seal on the stone and posting guard. Um, after the Sabbath, we're in 28, and we're almost to the end here. After the Sabbath at dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary <laughs> went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for the angel of the Lord came down from heaven, going to the tomb, rolled back the stone, and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell the disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you. So the women hurried away from the, from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, <laughs> and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, listen to this, do not be afraid. What's that leave? Just joy. Because it said they were, that he, they were afraid, but they were full of joy. <laughs> and so he says, look, don't be afraid. It's the first thing he says, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. While the women were, were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. When the chief priest had met with the elders and, and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them you were to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away from, uh, while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, he'll be satisfied. Uh, he'll, it will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed, and this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. Verse 16, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, because one of them hung himself, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. I know that was a lot of, of scripture reading, but that is the greatest story <laughs> that you will ever hear because there was so much more going on behind the, phys- the, the physical things that they saw. Um, as many of you know, when Christ died, he didn't, he didn't just hang out. He went, he went down and he took the keys and he defeated our true enemy, which was death, hell, and the grave. And so when we talk about living our lives like Christ... It's not trying to be better or trying to do all the right things. 
It's literally having Christ live inside us. It's literally um, seeing things beyond what we can physically see. And sometimes that can be a little bit awkward, and sometimes it can freak you out or freak other people out, and sometimes we come afraid and with joy. Is there something up there? (laughs) Sometimes we come afraid. I saw somebody looking up there, Um, and I'm easily distracted. Sometimes we come afraid but with joy, and the first thing Christ says to us is, hey, no need to be afraid. What he brings is pure joy. And the cool thing is, is when we begin to walk in this, when we see that we have this Christ in us that has been given all authority on earth and in heaven, that it, it, it brings up a boldness in us, even the shy ones. It raises a boldness in us that it's not up to us to do it, but we have someone with us. And here's, this is kind of where I want to go with this. The good news is that Jesus died and took away our sins once and for all. Hebrews says he did it once and for all. It wasn't like the blood of bull and goats that we had to keep doing it over and over again. Christ can't be re-crucified. He did it once for all. That's the good news. When he died, he took our sins away. He didn't just cover them. He took them away. That's the good news. The great news is he rose again. The great news is he rose again to new life. And when he rose again to new life, he gave us new life. So not only are our sins gone now, so we can praise him for that. We can say, okay, all of our sins are gone forever. If we accept this Christ in our hearts, our sins are gone once for all. That's good news. Now what? And, and, a, and a common thinking is, okay, now God, we're confident that he's seated because he's God. He's seated at the right hand. He can rest. He, he made the great sacrifice, and now he's seated at the right hand of God up there somewhere through that ceiling tile that we knocked out yesterday. <laughs> we had a bouncy house, and it was a little too tall. Um, <laughs> It's okay if I acknowledge it and make an excuse. If I don't say anything, y'all are going to be like, this crazy place has got a hole in the ceiling. <laughs> All right, so I'm telling you, ADD pastor of the year. The, uh, so, <laughs> so where was I? Good news, great news. He rose again, gave us new life. He's not seated far off in heaven. We are seated with him. We are hidden in Christ, right? He's not far away. He is with us always. To the end of the age, he is with us. Now, we identify with the death, burial, and resurrection of him. So now our old life is gone. We've heard of uh, um, generational curses, gone. You've heard of, of anxiety, gone. That's your old life. These things are gone. Gone, 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 gone. That's your old life. It's, identi- it's identifying with our new life is what brings us that healing. It's saying, this is who we are. Do we still have all of our senses? Yes. Do we still get tempted? Yes. But that is outside of our identity and who we are. That's the difference there. That's what, that's what changes people, and I've seen it happen. It's really discovered, it has changed me, discovering my identity in Christ. That's not who I am. Those are decisions you can make, but that's not who you are. And so we have new life, brand new life, and we have available to us all kinds of really great things. Here's the great, great news. <laughs> he didn't just leave us alone. He sent us himself by way of the Holy Spirit so that we could be together forever. So he didn't leave us alone. He's close always. We're going, to jump, uh, we're going to jump to Acts real quick. Um, and I really want to go all the way through Acts, all the way through Pentecost. I'll, I'll have to do it another day because there's so much there that I really want to talk about. But I'm just going to give you a little, a little a piece of it here so that we can see the whole story. And this is, he was, he was crucified, gave up his life, bought and paid for our lives, took care of all the sin issue once and for all. It was, it was a Positional problem, not a behavioral problem. Our behavior will follow our position. So it transferred us over. Not only that, he gave us new life. And then after that, he gave us somebody to help us with it. 
So we'll start in verse 10, uh, Acts 110. Um, oh, man, there's so much. I want to go backwards and talk about. Well, let's start at 7. He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has been set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and all the ends of the earth. Verse 9, after he, he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently into the sky as he was going. Then suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Can you imagine how, freak, how freaked out they were? They're like this. Ah! <gasps> well, that's what I see anyway. Verse 11, men of Galilee. And that's when they went, ah! Why do you stand here looking into the sky? That, the same Jesus who has been taken away from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Now, a lot of us think about that as the end times and him coming back, but I'm not so sure. I think in, in the context of what they're talking about, I think they're talking about the Holy Spirit coming back down. Um, and there's, in my Bible, there's an Augustine quote that kind of backs that up too. It says, Jesus departed from our sight that he might return to our heart. He departed, and behold, he is here. And so I think that's, that's a good picture. I know, amen. I think it's the same, the same picture we get when we, when we think, okay, we're praying up to heaven. We forget that he gave us the Holy Spirit, right? Why do, we, why do we neglect this Holy Spirit that we have with us every day? We don't leave it here when we go out there. <laughs> it's not up in heaven, far, far away. It's in our hearts. This is where it is, right? And so you guys know the story. I'll, I'll briefly talk about it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a whole sermon on, on just this chapter pretty soon, but just because I don't have the time to do it today. But you know what happened at Pentecost. The, the Holy Spirit came down, and it was awesome, and there was like tongues of fire, and it was like a rushing wind. And there's so much there we could talk about right now, but I just want to get to this part right here. Um, in verse 32, uh, Acts 2.32 is where we're going to go. Acts 2.32. said, so God has raised this Jesus to life, and we were all witnesses of the fact, exalted. This is Peter's speech addressing the crowd after they're all freaking out thinking they were drunk. Because <laughs> they were all walking around at 9 in the morning and, and they were speaking in tongues and everybody could understand them in their own language. And so people were walking up on this going, what is going on? This is wild. And so verse 32, this is Peter addressing the crowd. He says, God has raised this Jesus to life and we were all witnesses of the fact. Exalted to the, to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. For David did not ascend to heaven and yet he said... The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool at my feet. Listen, Christ is the only one that can sit. He's the one that finished it, so he can sit seated and rest. And uh, last week I talked about the only thing that I saw striving for was, uh, was, was striving for our, our uh, calling, striving towards our calling. But uh, Brian actually saw, was it in Hebrews, Brian? The only other, Hebrews what? Hebrews chapter 4, there is another striving, and it's striving to rest. There's one more striving that's striving to enter into his rest. And it's to see that we are seated with Christ, that the, the work has been finished, it is done. He said it is finished. He gave up uh, his spirit so that it could be finished. And so we are seated with him. We are heirs and co-heirs. We are sons and daughters of Christ. And so the other striving we do, which seems a little counterintuitive, is striving to rest. And how many of you have ever had to do that? <laughs> I'm a bit of a busybody, and sometimes I have to strive to rest and realize that it's okay, that Christ did it. It's all about him. Um, Verse 36, therefore I tell, therefore let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, <laughs> whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. He is the King. 
When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and all, all the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off and for all whom the Lord our God will call. This is not just for the Jews anymore. This is a brand new covenant, and it's for everybody. For every nationality, every race, Everybody. This is for everybody now. Everything has changed. Verse 40. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Uh, Those who accept this message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Verse verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to the fellowship, to the breaking of, of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. This this kind of blows up in the face of a lot of the people that think about cessation and that there's no more miracles. No, there's plenty more miracles. That didn't stop. Um, all the all the believers were together and had everything uh, everything in common, selling their possessions and goods, and gave to anyone as they had need. Now, this isn't just a, a blind everyone come together. Let's start a cult. We'll sell all our stuff. You know what I mean? This is genuine relationship. This is what a lot of us already have in here. And if you're a visitor here, um, this is how we are. We, we, and I can tell you, I was the recipient of it f- before in the past and probably will be in the future at some point, but we've also been able to bless people as well. Um, and this is just the heart of God. What I was talking about earlier is seeing people's stories, understanding what they have, and being able to help them. And this is what they were doing. They had Christ with them, and they began to act like it. They knew who they were now, and they began to move and act like it. So they gave to anyone as they needed. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad, uh, together with, what? Oh, we're, we're reading the Bible <laughs> on cassette. All right, so <laughs> half the room does not know what a cassette is. All right, they broke bread, they broke bread in their homes and ate together. Bring it up here, I'll put it in the mic. Bro- broke bread. <laughs> broke. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere. They need to hire like Morgan Freeman to do that. (laughs) Uh, Side note, our credit union somehow managed to hire Morgan Freeman to be there. Like, uh, I don't know if y'all have heard this. You need to call, I don't remember which credit union it is. Horizon, I think, maybe. And further, completely doesn't have anything to do with it, but it's hilarious. And I had my friends call it because I couldn't believe it. But somehow, for when you're when you're waiting, when you're on hold, Morgan Freeman is telling you about all the offers that they have. And I was like, "What? It's New Horizon. How do they afford to get Morgan Freeman to do that?" I need to find out how to do that, how much it costs, and I'm gonna have him do my voicemail. <laughs> they broke bread together. <laughs> they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying <laughs> enjoying the favor of, of of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Um, I can't, I can't tell everything. I can't go through the whole Bible. But I'll, I'll, I'll paraphrase. The next part, I don't know. The next part, Peter, they go, the disciples go, and there's somebody needs healing. Um, no, no, somebody needs money. <laughs> somebody needs money. Like, hey, we need some money. We see you guys are sharing all the money. We want some money. And the guy's crippled. And they're like, hey, look at us. <laughs> you think we have money? And... Uh, and they say, silver or gold I don't have, but what I have I give to you. And I love that scripture because they were very confident that they had something. 
Listen, that is the great, great news. We've got good news, we've got great news, and we've got great, great news. And we have, I tell my kids not to say God all the time, and then I do it. We have good news, great news, and great, great news. Our sins are gone forever. They've been, they've been taken away from us so that we're free to live this new life, which is the great news. Christ didn't just take away our sins, but he also gave us new life. We were resurrected with him in new life, and this new life is available now. Eternity starts now. Eternity, by definition, you know is supernatural. If we have it, it has no beginning and no end, which we can't do. So if you have eternal life, it doesn't start when you die and go to heaven. It starts now. So you can reap the benefits of it now. If not, as I always tell you, we would just hold people a little longer during baptism, and they could just go on to heaven. <laughs> but Christ didn't, didn't give us this and sacrifice for us so that, and then go far away to heaven and sit down and eat popcorn and watch. Good luck with life, right? I mean, how, how, I've thought that before, like the whole, the whole expedite my prayers thing because you're far away. No, he didn't leave us alone. That's the great, great news. He sent someone with us, and his disciples were fully aware of that. Now, they saw him in physical form, and now they know they've got him in spiritual form, right? They're confident in the Holy Spirit they have, and they saw him die. This is the greatest news of all, <laughs> that we now have the kingdom of heaven in our hearts. A great benefit of that is when we die, we get to go there and see it in its fullness. That's awesome. But that was not Jesus' goal. Jesus' goal was not to give you a ticket to heaven. Jesus' goal was to reinstate your relationship with the Father. And he did it. And he was the only one that could do it. And he did it once and for all. And he made us right with God. Not because of what we did, but because of what Christ did. Why? So no man should boast. We can only boast in Christ. Anytime we begin to look at other things and we want this or we want that and we need this and we need that and we look at, at something besides Christ to give it to us is when we begin to lean on our own understanding and our own experience. We, we try to outthink and outsmart the scriptures and we don't submit to them. It's a very dangerous place to be. So everything we do is Jesus-centered. Everything is Christ-centered. I've got one more scripture-heavy psalm and I'll let you guys go. <laughs> I will unlock the back door. No, I'm just kidding. Unlock the back doors and let you go. Actually, y'all will stay around and get some professional pictures, I hope, and hang out with all of these really cool people. <sighs> Psalm 22. Now think about this. This is Psalm 22. This was written some thousand years before Christ was crucified. They didn't even have any idea about crosses and, and crucifixion at that time. This is at least a thousand years before, okay? Listen to the detail in what's said here. Verse 1 in Psalm 22, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that sound familiar? This is so powerful. Listen to this. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from my cries of anguish? My God, I cry out by day, but you do not answer. By night, but I find no rest. Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the one Israel praises. In you our ancestors put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried out and were saved. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by everyone, despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. Does it sound familiar? He trusts in the Lord, they say. Let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him since he delights in him. Yet you brought me out of the womb. You made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast on you. From my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me. For trouble is near and there is no one to help. 
Many bulls surround me, strong bulls of Basham. Now, Basham is a place in Israel. I looked this up because I was curious of what he was talking about. Basham is a place in Israel where the, they have very good pastures there and the bulls grow very large. This was a representation of the Roman soldiers. They were very large and they were beating him. So the large bulls were Roman soldiers. And it says, uh, these, these strong bulls of Basham encircle me. Hebrew for encircle means crowned. So these, these, these large Roman soldiers put the crown of thorns on him. Roaring lions that tear their prey open, their mouths are wide against me. I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. <laughs> this is describing what he was doing in agony on the cross because he was hanging and, and for every breath he was having to pull himself up. I poured out like water. My bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up. Do you remember they were trying to give him something to drink? And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Listen how detailed this is. Dogs surround me. A pack of villains encircle me. They pierce my hands and my feet. All my bones are on display. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my clothes among them and cast lots for my garments. But you, Lord... Do not be far from me. You are my strength. Come quickly to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my people in the the assembly. I will praise you. You will fear the Lord. Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel, for he has not despised or scorned the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him. He has listened to his cry for help. From from you comes the theme of my praise and my great assembly. Before those who fear you, I will fulfill my vows. The poor will eat and be satisfied. Those who seek the Lord will praise him. May your, hearts, may your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth will remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations will bow before him. For dominion belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the rich of the earth will feast and worship. All who go down to the dust will kneel before him. Those who cannot keep themselves alive, posterity will serve him. Future generations will be told about the Lord. They will proclaim his righteousness, declaring to a people yet unborn, he has done it. This was a thousand years, at least a thousand years before he was crucified. He fulfilled every prophecy, many more than this. And he was the only one that could do it. So we come in here every Sunday, and and some of us on Wednesday nights, and we gather together corporately, and we worship the Lord, and we talk about Him, and and we talk about how that affects us in our lives and some of the things that we're dealing with, real issues that we're dealing with. And we submit those things to the Lord, and we see, over time, we see lives change. We see, like we talked about last week, we see that seed, the kingdom of God is like a little tiny seed, we see it begin to grow in people's lives and it begins to bear fruit and it begins to go, grow large where other people, uh, that talks about the birds begin to perch on it. That we can, be, we can be a place of rest for other people. It's like yeast that goes into dough and it, and, and, and it enters inside us even though it's small, this kingdom, this, this Jesus, this Holy Spirit inside us. And, and I always say think quality, not quantity. It's so powerful. Like I said, his... Jesus is so powerful that just that tiny, that tiny little bit of yeast begins to permeate and work through us. And before you know it, you're doing things that you didn't think that you could do. And you're praying for people and you didn't think that you could do that. And, and, and 
your relationship is getting stronger with your spouse or your, your, your troubles are beginning to, to be let up and you're beginning to be more free and more free and you can love freely because you're loved freely and you begin to change. And it's not by trying really hard, but it's by receiving what Christ has done for you and identifying with that and understanding that it's, <laughs> it's better than you thought it was going to be. Because here's the cool thing. We talked about this a few weeks ago. One of, the, one of the thieves that was hurling insults on him ended up going to heaven. He said, hey, I want to go to this paradise you're talking about. And we talked about the Hebrew road for paradise is Eden. He was restoring what had been lost. He was making all things new again. He wanted a relationship with us. He, he knew that he had to do it, and he did it, and he made it right, and he made us right with him. And so there's a, there's a bit of a kind of a paradox, I guess, because we're still here and we still have to deal with, with life and bills and things like that. But I can tell you, the God who created you knows what brings you joy. The God who created you knows what worries you and, and makes you afraid. And that's where there's so many scriptures that talks about, listen, I, I bring you joy. Listen, don't be afraid. I bring you peace. I bring you uh, a clear mind. I don't bring you a spirit of fear. And so as we leave this, as we leave this place, as we, as we hang out with each other and we leave this place, I always encourage you guys every Sunday, we don't leave the Holy Spirit here. Kids, you, sometimes you have to convince your parents. You guys don't have a junior Holy Spirit. When you, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you get the same Holy Spirit we get. So sometimes you've got you've to explain that to your parents. Listen, yesterday, um, I'll give you a perfect example. This is, this is just life. Megan somehow managed to throw her arm like she was just turning around with a water hose because we <laughs> last minute after we put everything back together we're eating crawfish out there and I was like this is probably not good for Easter Sunday people are going to walk up and think man this place stinks it smells like fish so we're out there washing out well she turned around with the water hose and smooth like jerked her arm out of socket like bad like she started crying it hurt bad and I, I went Tracy went well she went to, to Patrick and then Tracy went around there, and I was putting the hose up, and uh, I I ran the corner, and all the kids and everybody were just praying for her, like, no big deal. Many many of the kids were over there just laying hands on her and praying for her, and that's normal. That's okay. That's encouraging for a pastor to walk around a corner and see that, to see kids just laying on hands. That's that's immediately what they go to. Let's just, let's do this. I can remember youth services. Somebody, I call them the, the death stairs because they're concrete and metal, and they're steep. I'm always scared when people go down them. I remember somebody fell about halfway down the stairs. And before I could even get out there, I had four or five youth down there praying for them. I remember listening to loud music up there, and they'd come up and say, hey, can you turn it down? We want to pray for somebody. Like, yes, I sure will. <laughs> you guys are awesome. But I'm telling you, we have, overca- we, we have overcomplicated a simple message. It is as simple enough that, that, that children can receive it. Don't overcomplicate it. He died, he took away your sins for once and for all. He rose and gave you new life. He didn't leave you alone to try to figure it out on your own. He's not sitting on the throne, eating popcorn, hoping good luck with life. He sent you a comforter. And when he sent that comforter, I, I want to get into Acts, and we're going to talk more about that. He didn't, he didn't send a comforter that's weak. He sent, he sent a Holy Spirit that comes with power and authority and, and, and gifts. You will prophesy, you will dream dreams, you will see visions. There, there are supernatural things that this Holy Spirit brings with him. So we'll, we'll get into that another Sunday. We, I'm already over time, and we had an extra long service today. But we're going to continue to talk about this. But this Holy Spirit didn't, doesn't leave you. 
and he doesn't take a break. Um, he's, he's, not, he's not stressed out about your mistakes. He's not stressed out about your coworkers cussing or drinking or anything like that. He's concerned with their hearts. And, and if you will commune with him, he will reveal to you uh, your place and your part in that. So if you guys will stand up with me, I'm just going to pray for you. Um, every Sunday here is fun for me. Uh, it's, a, it's a time where I get to hang out with my extended family, <laughs> uh, and I get to see all you guys and, and fellowship. So I want to encourage you, if you're visiting, don't feel, don't feel pressured to run out of here. You're welcome to hang out, get pictures taken. And uh, Pure Grace people, if you see some visitors, let them go ahead of you. Uh, we want to make sure that they get an opportunity. They may have previous engagements too. But, uh, but at the same time, we just we want to thank you for coming. If you need anything, you know, let us know. Um, and we'll be glad to pray for you and, and, and help you out any way we can. So, Lord, I just want to pray uh, just over the service, over, this, over everyone in this place, Lord. Uh, just seal in, in their hearts, Lord, anything that you spoke to them through me or in, in worship or, or however, uh, Holy Spirit, however you have have. Um, just moved in their lives to this morning. Lord, I just pray that you'll just seal that up and remind, it, remind them of it as they go out throughout the week. Lord, I pray that you will highlight people, specific people in our lives as we go out. Lord, whether it's the waitress at the restaurant or it's a family member that, that really gets on our nerves. <laughs> Lord, I, I pray whoever it is, Lord, that you would uh, supernaturally just highlight them so that we don't miss those divine appointments. And, and, and I'll tell you from experience, it's always fun. It may be a little nervous at, at first, but listen, when you begin to just love people, like AJ was talking about, no strings attached. Listen, it, it will change people's lives, and you'll begin to see things happen, um, and it's a lot of fun. So, Lord, I just, in, I just want to encourage uh, everyone in here, Lord, that, uh, that they would just continue to just receive from you um, and, and continue to pour out to everyone that's around them, Lord. In Jesus' holy name, amen. Amen.